0: And so uh, I want to start this morning with Haggai, the second chapter. You probably don't read Haggai a lot, but uh, some of you may not even know where to find it, but if you'll go to Matthew and then go backwards to Malachi, Zechariah, you're going to run right into Haggai. This is this message uh, this morning is very dear to my heart because um, it's something that I have walked through. So, um, actually, I I title this the glory of the latter house, but uh, it's going to get way more personal than that. In Haggai, the second chapter, I'm just going to uh, actually. Give you just a little bit of background here. Um, the children of Israel had come, some of them had come out of captivity. They had been sent to Jerusalem by Cyrus with a decree to rebuild the temple. They started it and they got a foundation built, and then things happened. Just like it always does when we start working for God and doing things that God wants us to do, things happened. And so they just kind of laid it on the, you know, they just let weeds grow up. And, and uh, they started working on their own houses. They started doing the everyday mundane things that, um, that people do. And then the prophet Haggai, he uh, came on the scene and God gave him a word for these people. And he said, you know, basically, I'm just going to put it in a nutshell. He said, what are you guys doing? The temple is laying bare over there and you're running to take care of your business and your houses and everything that pertains to you and look what's happening in your lives. The curse has come on you. It says, uh, you know, you're, you plant crops and, and nothing. They, you're not able to prosper. You put money in your pockets and it has holes in it and if you, you don't know where your money went. The reason all this is happening because you didn't put me first. My house is important, he says. So there was two people that he designated to begin the rebuilding of this house, and it was Zerubbabel and Joshua, who was the high priest at that time. So they began to build, and, and actually God said to them, <coughs> he said to them, uh, Be courageous and do it. Get the people to help you. But get this done. And then this is the word, and this is where I want to pick up, in verse 7. And I will shake all nations, and the desire and the precious things of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with splendor, says the Lord of hosts. This is the amplified version of that. Um, The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house with its successor to which Jesus came shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace and prosperity, says the Lord of hosts. Now I want you to make a note of what he says he's going to do in this latter house that's going to make it even more glorious than the former one. He's going to give peace... And he's going to give prosperity. Now I want to look at it in the message, please. This is what God of the angel army said. Before you know it, I will shake up sky and earth, ocean and fields. You know what he's saying? I'm going to do what I need to do to get this done. Ocean and fields, and I will shake down all the godless nations. They will bring bushels of wealth. And I will fill this temple with splendor. (coughs) God of the angel armies says so. Then God says, I own own the silver. I own the gold. This is the decree of God of the angel armies. This is what I want to get to now. Remember this. This temple. Now, we're building a, a church out there north of town. Uh, So it could be in the physical realm as well as the spiritual. This temple is going to end up far better than it started out. Everything starts out small. We start out with a foundation. This temple is going to end up far better than it started out. A glorious beginning. And we saw that glorious beginning when we celebrated our 45th anniversary. It was glorious. It's been a glorious trip. I have to tell you, looking back on over 45 years, I can say it's been glorious. We've seen a lot of victories, we've touched a lot of lives. But um, so it says it had a glorious beginning, but an even more glorious finish. A place in which I will hand out wholeness and holiness. Now, about three weeks ago on Wednesday night, I, I spoke on holiness. Today, I want to talk about the other two uh, words that this script, this scripture tells us that God wants to put into this glass glorious church. And it is peace and wholeness. And actually, they are one and the same Whenever you look at the Hebrew. So wholeness and peace. So today I want to talk about that particular substance. That God wants to put into this church. We've all had to. We've, we've been through turmoil in the church. You know that. We've experienced loss. And it was. It, it was. It disturbed, you know, it disturbed a lot of people's peace, to tell you the truth. Disturbed my peace. January the 1st, 2020, uh, was the most horrific day of my life in all these years, and I've lived a long time. When pastor went to heaven that day, it was, uh, I was faced with. An opportunity to totally lose my peace and to be for my heart to be broken, for me to be fragmented. And to tell you the truth, I'm sure what the devil wanted was for me to curl up into a fetal position and feel sorry for myself and become bitter towards uh, God, perhaps, or bitter towards the hospitals that gave him treatments that we said do not give him. I mean, there was a lot of things that I was facing at that moment. And so I had a choice. I had a choice of what I was going to do. That night, I had to do something from my heart. I had to do something that vocalized what my purpose was. And the, the first thing that I did was I talked to Satan. And I said, devil, I'm going to tell you right now. If you think that you're going to stop me or stop Victory Center or stop anything that God wants to do, I'm going to tell you right now that we're going to give you a black eye. And you're going to be so sorry that you did this. You are going to be so sorry. Because we're going to kick your butt. And that was the first thing. And then I went before my family. And I said, I just want you to know that it doesn't matter what happened here tonight. It does not change the word of God. It does not change my God. And I want you to know that I purpose to continue. I don't care what it looks like. I will continue to teach the word of God. I will, everywhere I go, I will continue to say God is good, that God loves us, that, that God honors our faith. And I, I just went through everything that I felt like that the devil was going to try to steal from me. I didn't know how important that was at the time. But looking back now, I can see that Nothing disturbed my peace during that whole thing. Now, I've had to fight for that peace over this last year, just like you have. And I don't, I don't uh, pretend to think that I was the only one affected by what happened on January the 1st. Many of you out there have grieved deeply for our pastor. Our church has grieved because of the loss of that great man that established this foundation. So I don't know where you are in the process. But if you have lost your peace, I can tell you today, you're going to get it back. Because God wants us to have peace in this place. And that's what, gonna, what is going to make our church glorious. We're going to have a peaceful church. We're going to have people in this church that are whole people, not fragmented people. Years ago, we did a a women's ministry called Winning Women, and we had one of the things that we did. We filled out a survey and figured out what our core value was. And I found out that my core value was wholeness. My desire... (laughs) Is to see me made whole and people made whole. So during that process, the Lord—I uh, was seeking the Lord—and He, He gave me um, uh, the picture of a whole person. I just started jotting down what the Holy Spirit told me because I wanted to see—you know—this is the way I am. I've got to kind of see it to know what I'm headed towards, or you know, I want to know if I, if I qualify or i not qualify where i'm missing it so i asked uh, the lord to show me the picture of a whole person and this is what he showed me a person who is whole is a person who has a positive outlook on life they see the good in others and have the ability to overlook their faults A person that is whole has the ability to withstand tests, trials, and tribulations with emotional stability. Emotional stability. Emotional stability, just in case you didn't hear that. Maintaining the joy of the Lord without murmuring and complaining. That's during adversity. A whole person has the ability to be kind And giving to others but is not a man pleaser. They can stand up for what is right. No matter what pressure is put on them to compromise. A whole person is confident enough in who they are. That rejection has no effect on them. For that matter they hardly even notice it. They do not feel that they have to criticize others. Because of their imperfections, immaturities, or inconsistencies, but can accept others and forgive easily and freely. They can easily trust God and man. And then the footnote that the Holy Spirit added was this a person who is whole, this is the benefits. A whole person will abound with the blessings of God, will travel the narrow road of life or be positive. We'll be able to obey God no matter the price. We'll steadily mature in the Lord and be a blessing to everyone they meet. So you can see why God would want a church full of people that were whole, people that are peaceful. Now the reason I put those two together is because the Hebrew meaning of peace is this. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, and nothing broken. That's the way God wants us to live. Let me just say that again. Nothing missing. Nothing missing in our lives. You know, during this particular year, there's been times that I would say, Charlie, where are you when I need you? Because, you know, when you're by yourself, all of a sudden, you, you remember all the things that he did. And, and then now, there's a lot of things I have to do that he did. And I would say, where are you, Charlie, when I need you? And I would always hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit say, I'm here. And you know, he is. And I would just put pressure on him. I'd say, Lord, now listen, you told me. That you would be a husband to the widow. I qualify. And so I don't know how you're going to get this done. But you're going to get it done. And so I, I've experienced. The faithfulness of God. If there's something missing. So, he doesn't want anything missing in our life. He doesn't want anything lacking in our life. He wants everything that is broken to get fixed he's a handyman he's going to he wants to he wants to fix you where you are broken so i want to uh turn to second peter and i want to get a definition in the new testament um of what peace is Starting in verse 2 of Second uh, Peter chapter 1, this is the Amplified, and I just want to remind you that in the Amplified, whenever there are phrases that are in parentheses, what they've done in the Amplified is to take that word, and now they're putting in parentheses the Greek meaning or the Hebrew meaning of that word. So you're getting an amplified version of what the King James says, where you might not understand what they say in the King James, but the amplified amplifies it. Of course, that's why they call it the amplified. So may, God's, uh, may grace or God's favor, and let me just amplify that, because grace is not just God's favor, Grace is God's ability working in you to do in you what you can't do for yourself in or through you. So God's grace will come into a person's life to bring us favor, to bring us ability, to bring everything that we need. That's what grace is. Grace comes down. We are saved by grace. We couldn't save ourselves. But We are saved by grace because we didn't have to earn it. We're saved by grace because we couldn't do it ourselves and God did it for us. So that's one of the meanings. uh, That's an amplified, a Margaret amplified uh, definition of grace. Or actually, it is a real definition because you've heard Pastor Charlie (laughs) give that also too. And may grace, God's favor and peace. That's what we're talking about this morning is peace. And this is what peace means. It is perfect well-being. So when, I, when we talk about this definition, I want you to do a check of your life and see if that fits your life. So let's just check and see. Do you have perfect well-being? If you do, check that one off. Do you have all necessary good? Check that one off. All spiritual prosperity, check that. Freedom from fears. Do you still have fear in any area of your life? And agitating passions. Now, what would be an agitating passion? It would be unforgiveness, anger, if you have an agita- if you have anger, it is definitely agitating. So, an agitating passion is where you're just in turmoil on the inside. And then moral conflicts. Is there something morally going on in your life that uh, you're, you know, you're dealing with that I don't know if this is right or wrong. Uh, listen, God is a God of morality. We can say, oh, he winks at sin. Let me tell you, he does not wink at sin. He makes provision for sin. He wants you free from sin because he knows what sin will do in your life. It will steal your peace. I promise you. I've got scripture, maybe we'll get to it. So, so saying all that, Peter is saying, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So according to the word of God, he doesn't want us to just have a little bit of peace every once in a while. He wants peace to be multiplied to us so that it gets so big in us that all we are are full of peace let me tell you if you get full of peace you're going to be a whole person so be multiplied to you in the full personal precise and correct and correct <coughs> knowledge of god and of jesus our lord so according to the scripture do you get peace by going to church Do you get peace by reading your Bible? Those are good things. Do you get peace if you've got three Jesus bumper stickers on your car? Or a cross around your neck? How do we get peace? Put that back up there, would you please? The verse 2. Okay, just leave that part there. It's through the, uh, we don't have it all on this one, but it is through the precise, precise and correct knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That's how we get peace. Now, I experienced that on uh, October the 21st of this year. I was headed, uh, and I know you've heard the story. I just like to tell it. But uh, I was headed back to Guyman from sealing my writing place. And I was, uh, I was approaching Brian's corner. I had just qu- finished praying the, the 91st Psalm. And as I headed into that intersection, I do not know where this car came from. I did not see him. But the first time I saw him, he was in front of me. And stopped. And if he had kept going, I think I could have missed him. But he didn't, and I swerved. But I hit his uh, the back bumper of the on the passenger side. Uh, no, excuse me, the driver's side. And uh, at that moment, I experienced something I've never experienced in my whole life. And it was like. I was sitting in a movie theater watching a car crash. Now, have you ever, whenever you're uh, watching a movie and there's two cars crash, does it affect you physically? I mean, do you, do you go forward? Do you feel the impact when you're watching it on TV or on a movie? If you say you did, there's something wrong with you. Uh, you just sat there, oh, well, that's really bad. You know, oh that must have hurt. But you didn't feel anything. That was the way it was in the, in the interior of my car. I did not feel an impact at all. There was no impact. There was no noise. I didn't hear the crash. I, the only thing was I saw out there, I saw my car disintegrating in front of me. And that's At that moment, I thought to myself, I think I've had a wreck. And sure enough, I had, but I didn't feel it. And when I stopped, people were running and saying, Oh, are you all right? And I said, I'm fine. It was like, Why are you worried about me? I'm fine. I got out of the car and I looked at my car, and it was totaled, by the way. And I said, to my, I said this to the people I was talking to, I'm going to tell you right now, God's going to turn this around for good. God's going to turn this around for good." I looked at that. It was a beautiful car. I love that car. I mean, you know, love in the sense of not a goppy love, but you know, I like that car. But I looked at it and I thought, "I'm fine. The eggs in my car were fine. My purse was fine. Everything I had in my car was fine. And I experienced the peace that passes on un- all understanding. That peace that passes all understanding. And, I was re- and I'm reminded of what Jesus said in um, John the 14th chapter, the 27th verse. He was talking to his disciples, and I don't know how many was there at the time, but um, he made this statement. Verse 27, John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you, not as the world gives. Now, that's what I experienced I mean, most women, I don't know about men, but most women would have, been in a, it would, would have been a basket case if they'd just had that kind of a wreck. Now, I, don't, I know none of you here would have, but uh, I know women that have. And, um, but the world doesn't give you this kind of peace. Jesus said, I will give you my peace. Now, what does his peace look like? His peace looks like taking a nap in the boat with a ferocious storm going on. That's what his peace looks like. He was just sleeping through the storm. He probably would have slept right through that storm if the disciples hadn't waked him up. And I think he was a little ticked about that. Because he said, ah, where was your faith? Evidently, his faith was okay because he was sleeping. He had perfect peace in the middle of a storm. So peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath it to you. We have inherited Jesus' peace. And and just, just to prove that, in uh, Isaiah 53, uh, verse 5, uh, can you just... Flip that up there real quick. Uh, This is just a side note. Isaiah 53, verse 5. Got that? Okay. It just... Okay, there we go. I just wanted you to see this. But Jesus, this is Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquity. And listen to this. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. Jesus paid the price so that we could have his peace. What was that price? According to Galatians 3. uh, Could you put Galatians 3, 13 and 14 up in the uh, Passion? We're going to come back to John uh, 1427 here in just a second, but uh, Galatians 3. You having trouble with that? Now I don't have my uh, TPT with me. Okay, here we go. Uh, the reason I wanted you to see this was yet Christ paid the full price to set us free. From the curse of the law. Now let me just tell you this. The whole world was cursed. When Adam and Eve sinned. The curse came on the world. And peace was totally disturbed. There was no supernatural peace. On the earth. But God was not happy with that. And he wanted. it. He wanted there to be wholeness. He wanted people to be peaceful, full of peace. He wanted his peace to come into his people. So Jesus paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law. Listen, he absorbed it completely as he became a curse in our place. For it is written, Everyone who is hung upon a tree is doubly cursed. Verse 14. Jesus, our Messiah, was cursed in our place and in doing so, dissolved the curse from our lives so he paid the chastisement so that we could obtain peace so that all the blessings of Abraham could come upon us. That was, that's our God that has reckless love. He wanted us to live in peace. He paid a great price. And he has delivered us from the curse. Um, So back to uh, John 14, 27. So listen, we're going to start all over again. Jesus speaking, peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Then he gives us some instructions. So we get Peace from God. But we've got a part to play. So he says, do not let your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Stop allowing yourself to be agitated and disturbed. Quit getting mad at people. Quit letting your anger loose. Quit it. I mean that's that's great advice I would say. You know, he doesn't say go into therapy. He said quit it. Do not let. Do not allow. You know what? You can stop it. You think you can't, but you can if you know that you have the peace of God on the inside of you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Stop allowing yourself to be agitated and disturbed. Do not permit yourself to be fearful, intimidated, cowardly, and unsettled. This is Jesus talking. He has your best interest at heart. He's not trying to tell you to do something for his sake. He's telling you to do something for your sake. Now, <clears throat> um, in Hebrew, well, let's see. In John, John sixteen thirty-three, I want to turn there real quick. This is Jesus speaking again. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. Now, I think I want to shoot for perfect peace. How about you? Not just when everything's going right. Perfect peace means you have peace no matter what. So he says, um, I've told you these things so that in me, you can have perfect peace and confidence. I'm just going to stop there, leave that up there. In Jesus, I saw a demonstration when I had that wreck of what it means to be in Jesus. I was inside the protective part of that car. When you're in Jesus, you are inside the protective part of what Jesus has done for us. You know, if it, uh, there may be things going on outside. I remember one time I was driving back from Enid uh, at night. I had... Uh, pastor and I had gone over to sealing and spend a a few days and um, I wanted to go up and get my hair done in Enid so I left him in sealing and I went to Enid and while I was there clouds came and it started snowing and on my way back I was driving in a snow snow snowstorm, and it was dark and I was driving along and I thought you know it's cold out there, it's miserable out there, but in here, I'm warm, I'm safe, I'm protected, and then the Lord showed me that's what it's like. This is what Jesus is talking about. When you're in Jesus, there can be a lot of things going on outside of you, and he begins to talk about that as this goes on. In the world, You're going to have tribulation, trials, distress, and frustrations, but be happy. Be of good cheer, he says. How can you be of good cheer when things aren't going right? Because you know the end results. Just kind of like the way I watch football. You know, I have three favorite teams. I have two Oklahoma teams, and I have Dallas Cowboys team. And when they play, I'm so thankful for a DVR because I record the games. I don't want to disturb my peace, and so I don't watch the games while they're playing. So then, whenever, uh, whenever it's all over and I know that the score is already done, it's a done deal. Then I fast forward it and I find out how it ended. And if they lost. To me, the game never happened. It gets deleted, just like that. And unfortunately, it's too bad OSU and OU did not play yesterday, in my estimation. Uh, But um, what what I do is that, see, while I'm watching it then, and I do watch every play, every single play, of the game. I love football, and I love to watch it, but I don't want to be anxious at how it's going to turn out. So I'll watch it, and I don't care what's happening in the game. I mean, they can fumble. They can can act stupid, get penalties, and I'll think, so at least I know they win. So I can still be of good cheer. The whole time I'm watching the game, it's like, you know the people that watched it live—they were going, oh oh, "Oh, oh, I just hope." Oh, you stupid thing! Why are you doing that? But me, perfect peace. Why am I in perfect peace? Because I know how it's going to end. And this is what Jesus is telling us here. He said, "In me, you got to be in me. You got to be in Jesus. You got to be born again." Walking in fellowship with Him, and we learned you need to have concise knowledge of Him. You need to know how He acts. You need to know how He thinks about you. You need to know that He has reckless love for you. So in Jesus, uh, you're going to have perfect peace. But in the world, you're going to have tribulation, trials, distress, and frustrations. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have won the ballgame. Hallelujah. When the final bell rings or whenever the time runs out, Jesus wins. So you can have confidence because of this one fact, this last phrase. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. I have deprived it of power to harm you. Did he say I've deprived it of power to hurt you? He did not use that word hurt. He used harm. And there are things that might hurt. I have to say, on January the 1st, I experienced the the greatest pain that I've ever experienced in my life. It was painful. It did hurt. But I want to tell you that it did not harm me it you in this church you were hurt yes you grieved we grieved but it has not harmed us because look at where you're at today you're still here you're still serving the lord and it's getting better all the time can we if we could change it would we yes but we can't And there's times that, you know, something will hit me and I'll start boo-hooing and and then I'll stop and I'll think, you know, I can cry all day long and it won't change anything. I'm going to do what will change something, what will change me. And that means I will stay in peace. I will stay in peace. Now, that, that car wreck that I had, it hurt my car. But it did not harm me. And in the middle of that, I did begin to rejoice. And I was of good cheer. And two days later, two days later, I had a brand new car paid for. A brand new car that was better than the one that I had. And I would have put a picture up, but it's sitting right out there by the door. You can look at it. So, and, and when I say brand new, I say brand new to me. It It's t- uh, 2021, almost new. But uh, when you're in Jesus, he has the ability to turn the curse into a blessing. And I, I've told you this before, but some of you didn't hear it. So I'm going to tell you again. I said, Lord, what happened? I, I, was, I was quoting the 91st Psalm, and I had this rep. What happened? And he said, the devil tried to take you out, but I protected you and used that incident to my advantage with, uh, so that I could bless you. In essence, that's what he said. What the devil tried to do, I've turned it around so I could bless you. Now that's what happens when you're in Him. Can you have peace when you're in Him? Now let me let me re, um, go to a um, couple of scriptures here. Psalms thirty-four, fourteen, says. Psalms thirty-four, fourteen. Depart from evil and do good. Seek. Inquire for and crave peace and pursue and go after it. It's not just going to fall on you. You do have to do something to keep your peace. Now, I want you to notice uh, there are several places in the scriptures where it talks about peace and doing good and departing from evil. Let me tell you, if you are not being obedient to God, And if you have sin in your life that you haven't dealt with, then you're going to have a problem finding peace because it says depart from evil. Get rid of anything in your life that's not pleasing to God. I mean, God loves you. I don't care how much you sin. He loves you. But you're not going to have peace and sin in your life at the same time. Get yourself right with God. Um, let me just uh, read uh, Isaiah thirty-two seventeen. And the effect of righteousness, which is right standing with God, will be peace, internal and external. And the results of righteousness will be quietness and confident trust forever. The effect of righteousness is peace. Now, I'm going um, to... I want to look at um, how to maintain our peace, Isaiah 26. Let me tell you, we have to maintain our peace. I'm reminded of uh, Nancy Dufresne. I don't know how many of you know who she is, but if you have a Victory uh, Broadcasting Network on your TV, she has a program uh, called Christ the Healer, but shes you'll never forget her. She was Miss Oklahoma at one time. She married Ed Dufresne. And a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful lady. And so um, she, she was kind of in the same uh, circumstances as, as I was. Uh, she and her husband had were pastoring a church. He went out and spoke sometimes. And, and uh, she got word that... He had an airplane crash, and it was up here, I think it was Dodge City, uh, where he, the airplane crashed, and he was killed. And she, they brought news to her about that. And I heard somebody interview her and say, what did you think when you heard that news, and what did you do? And he, she said this. She said, I decided that I had been living in peace for a really long time. And I wasn't going to let anything disturb that peace. And see, that was a wise decision. But I know she had to maintain it. You and I have to maintain our peace. So let's, uh, let's kind of uh, wind this up by reading uh, Isaiah. I'm not quite through yet, but I'm close. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will guard and keep him in perfect and constant peace, whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you or the Lord because he commits himself to you, he leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. This is the only way that we're going to stay in perfect peace. Do something with your mind. Do something with your mind. Over this last year, I've learned this one thing, that I can allow myself to move into self-pity at any time. I can allow myself to move into insecurity at any time by what I think. And at first, I was constantly bombarded with sense of inadequacy. And one day I was watching. I don't even know what I was watching. I was watching some minister on television. And they were saying something about. Um, you know how the devil will lie to you. And all of a sudden it dawned on me. You know what? I think the devil was lying to me. And if he was lying. Then what is the truth? The truth is I am adequate. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I had to. I have learned during this period of time that I've got to watch what I think. And it will come up for maybe just a minute. And then I refuse to think about it any longer. I could cry all day long every day if I wanted to. There's reasons. And there's reasons for you to feel sorry for yourself or get angry or whatever it is that you, you struggle with that destroys your peace. Yeah, but you can maintain your peace. So, <clears throat> I, I think I will just go ahead and wipe. Uh, I, I was talking to this person on the, the phone the other day. And uh, he said, uh, he was talking about buying, buying a vehicle. And he was wanting my advice. He said he'd gone in to buy a vehicle, a brand new vehicle, and he just didn't have Peace. So, um he got up and left he didn't He didn't buy the vehicle, but he says there was a pick there's a pickup that came up for sale just across the street, and he said he went and looked at it, and it was exactly what he wanted, and he had just perfect peace about it. so I said, "Well, what are you asking me?" And he said, "Well, then I got to listening to YouTube and the news and how the that the economy is this and the economy is that and this and that and uh, he said, i just now I don't have peace. And I said, whose report are you going to believe? Whose report? God's report brings peace. The world's report brings chaos. Confusion. I said, quit listening to stuff that destroys your peace. I can tell you The Bible tells us in Colossians 3, and I am going to end with this one. Colossians 3. Got it? Okay. 15. And let the peace, the soul harmony which comes from Christ rule. Act as an umpire continually in your hearts. Deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your mind in that peaceful state to which, as members of Christ's one body, you were also called to live. See, you were called to live in peace and be thankful and appreciative, giving praise to God always. So, what happened to this young man was that he got, he was following after peace was following after peace, and he was feeling peaceful. And Then he started listening to something else, and he did not follow after the peace of God. He listened to the adverse conditions that are in the world. Let me tell you, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. So we've got to maintain our peace. Watch what you're thinking. Watch what you're listening to. If you're going to movies that agitate your spirit, quit it. Quit it. I don't watch a movie that agitates my spirit. It may be rated PG. It may be fine in some people's eyes. But if it upsets my peace, it's not worth it to me. Because I've been called to live in God's peace. And I like being a whole person. Stand with me. Now, I don't know where you're at in your walk with the Lord, but I do know that it's very likely that there are people here this morning that you've been struggling, that you don't really have peace in your life. There's some reason that you don't have peace. There's a lot of different reasons people don't have peace. But the scripture said to pursue peace. Make it your aim. Go after it. And we read in Second Peter that it's through the knowledge of God. It's after, it's you, if you pursue God, you're going to get peace. What I really want to encourage us today is get an intimate relationship with God. If you don't have an intimate relationship with God, then everything out there is going to affect you and influence you. So if I was going to tell you to do one thing, just one thing, I would tell you to get an intimate relationship with God. Develop an intimate relationship with God. That's what's caught me through this last year. That's what's got me through the last fifty years. As I moved from a place of brokenness in my life to a place of wholeness. I didn't go, I didn't I didn't seek counseling from one single person during that time. I didn't wouldn't have known who to counsel with. But I got before God. And I said, God, I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. And he always came through for me. Might not have been that very moment. But he gave me the revelation I needed to walk free from the bondages that I was in. God wants you free. He wants you to have perfect peace in your life. And I don't know where you're at. And I can't. I can't actually pray peace on you but we can pray for you to have the revelation that you need because Jesus paid the price so that you could obtain peace. But if you will press in, press in, God will speak to you. He'll speak to you through his word. He'll speak to you through whoever's speaking from this pulpit or whatever other pulpit you're listening to. He'll speak to you. And if you do what he says to do, you will grow and you will become more and more. And that's what Jesus said, or the Haggai said. In this place, in the new, in the glorious church that we're moving into, the mature church, he's extending to us peace. Now to have peace as a whole church, individually, we need to walk in peace as well. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victor Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorcenter.org. Thank you.